welcome to the James River College Podcast. We hope that this episode encourages you in whatever walk of life that you are in. So grab your Bibles, grab your notebooks, and welcome home to James River College. Thank you, worship team. Whoo! Well, it is an honor. Um, today, my, one of my best friends was actually supposed to be preaching uh, the gospel message to you today, and he uh, called me. And this is actually, uh, he's had to cancel twice because of some different conflicts. And today, or he called me on Sunday, so upset and had tested positive for COVID. And so he's at home today, uh, recovering. And uh, if you'll just pray for him and his wife, they both are in need of your prayers and they appreciate your prayers. Um, Ben almost took my message, but that's okay. That just means we're going down the right track. Amen? I love Easter. I like Christmas a lot. I love it. But you know and have to understand that billions of babies have been born. Somebody say, that's right. Billions upon billions of babies have been born. And the the celebration and the uniqueness of Christ's birth, the virgin birth, incredible. But I only know of one story of a person who died, was buried, three days later, rose again, but he wasn't finished. Not only did he come back to the earth, not only was the tomb opened up, And he walked out of the grave. But he began to invoke promises. It wasn't enough for him just to show up to the disciples again. He gave them clarity. He reaffirmed the things that he had taught them over the last three years. He reassured them. And he's reassuring you that he is coming back again. And let me encourage you, there's never been a time like today that I would say we're even closer than ever before. And I don't just say it because yesterday was yesterday and now we're one day forward moving into time. I'm telling you, the signs are being revealed. He's coming back. And let me just help you, students, you better be ready. This is not a game to be played of chance. This is not, I'll walk a fine line and hope that I make it on the right side. I want to encourage you, warn you, give you heed to listen to the word of the Lord. Live a righteous life. Live a life that makes a difference. I've never seen one perform miracles who was always walking the, the thin line of their Christianity. If you want to preach... And, and, and see miracles happen, then live a righteous life. Because the prayers of a righteous man and woman avails much. That's free. You know, part of Jesus' responsibility right now is that he did ascend into heaven. He was with his disciples. He says, wait here, preach the gospel, Go into all the world, the Great Commission. Tell them of what I've done. Tell them about what you've seen. And they did. They declared it. They said it. 
They spread it. And now because of their testimony, because of their obedience to a mission, you're sitting here today. Because it could have just been another crucifixion. It could have been just another moment in Israel. But instead, it was the greatest moment. It was the greatest story ever told. It is his great plan. You know, but he's not done yet. It is finished, he said. But he's not done. The sacrifice was finished. The, the, the calling that he had life was, uh, on his life was finished. But it's not all that he did. And it's not all that he's doing. Matter of fact, I was uh, thinking about some of the things that he's doing. And I know that he's the great intercessor. He's literally sitting at the right hand of the Father on your behalf, taking the request, making them known to every single prayer you have. He's bringing it to the Father. And he's not just going, hey, and they have another need. And hey, they hurt themselves. And hey, they're really sad right now. He's going, Father, they're heartbroken. He knows more details about your situation than you know about your situation. And he's interceding on your behalf. What does it mean to intercede? To pray through. To keep asking. It's like the widow who just kept coming back. And will you, will you take care of this? Take care of this. Take care of this. The judge finally like, stop. Yes, I'll take care of it. And that's what Jesus is doing on your behalf. I pulled out a... Um, I actually called my parents this morning. I, I wanted a picture to, to show you. I used to be this little bitty guy. I was uh, actually the second smallest person uh, up until my junior year in high school. I was the second smallest guy in my class. And uh, I was really, really small, really tiny. And um, when I was uh, eight years old, my dad told me this today. I was eight. I wasn't seven. Um, I got my hands caught in a skill saw. Uh, I was helping my dad cut a, a board in the garage and making porch swings, and my fingers were actually cut off. And um, I wanted them to send a picture. I want to share the story with you a little bit more throughout the message. And he said, you know, they have that story in the Pentecostal Evangel. And I started laughing. The Pentecostal Evangel is a publication that they did for years in the Assemblies of God. And in 1987, my dad wrote an article and sent it in to the Pentecostal Evangel, and they printed it um, in the Evangel. And I actually have the copy of it. Uh, I, I, he said, they have it. I said, no, no, no. I said, I'm good. I'm good. I, I love you guys. I got to go. I got a meeting in a minute. Um, and I started going through the Evangel. I read through the article again, just a refresher, reminder of God's goodness to me. And part of what I'm going to talk to you about today was actually in that article. But I started flipping through the magazine just a few moments ago, and I was just reviewing my message and going through. And the number one article, the first article in this magazine is called When You Hurt. I want to talk to you today about the message. The title of the message is Scars and Stripes. Scars and Stripes. The author says this, he prays for the suffering frequently, I've been encouraged by the unsolicited statement, I pray for you every day. But, sometime, uh, but someone else is praying too. He always lives to intercede, Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. Every day Jesus prays for me. What a privilege to the recipient of such a blessed ministry. What is the form of this prayer? What are its subjects and content? 
The petition in Jesus' high priestly prayer in John 17 are corporately expressed, yet personally applicable. Listen to this. Protect them by the power of your name, that they may be one, that they may be the full measure of my joy, that you protect them from the evil one, sanctify them by the truth. May, uh, may they be brought to complete unity. Right now, the Heavenly Father is praying on your behalf. Jesus is going to the Heavenly Father on your behalf. Why? Because he wants these things for you. We talk a lot this weekend about Good Friday. And we talk a lot about Sunday. But let me talk, you, talk to you about the journey up to Friday. He took on such punishment and such horrific pain that no one should ever have to experience, especially someone who's innocent. Did you hear that? It's one thing if you deserve it. It's a whole nother thing if you don't. I was a little bit mischievous in junior high. I know it's hard for many to believe. And we used to put uh, thumbtacks uh, in people's chairs, and when they'd sit down, it would get them. Right. They call that hazing these days. It's illegal. You could probably go to jail for it. We did it for fun, you know. But we also used to get paddled in school, right? And uh, the punishment comes with the, the, pen, the penalty. Anyway, the, uh, I, 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 was, I was, again, smallest guy. I was always trying to fit in. I was always trying to be accepted. And uh, we had put up these murals on the wall, and the teacher had given us these really long thumbtacks. And guy, one of the guys I want to be accepted by comes up, hands me a tack. He goes, hey, he goes, uh, he should put that in Chris's chair. I was like, yes. Chris was my friend. We, like, we were like the only two people that, could, like, that would hang out with each other. I mean, we weren't accepted by many of anyone. But yet, I was about to punish a friend in order to be accepted by those who weren't my friends. I put the tack in his chair, and before he came back, I removed it and took it out of his chair. Another kid had put another smaller tack in, and they all laughed. We went to lunch, went to the next class, same thing. Hey, you still have that tack? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I was trying to hide the evidence. I don't want to be associated with it. He's like, get him. So as I put the tack down again, Chris was up with the teacher going over a, a, a problem, uh, for, uh, having some questions about the, the assignment. Comes back, I move the tack. Ben throws another one right in there. And he sits down, and this time, the tack actually penetrates through his skin. He gets up, and he's screaming, I'm mortified. I feel so bad for him. And that teacher just flips a lid. That's it. I'm tired of you picking on him. And I was just like, oh, no. I want to know who did it right now. And I'm just like, I'm glad it wasn't me. One of the students walks up, Mrs. Thomas, can I talk to you in the hallway? Yes, you can. Walks out in the hallway, comes back in. Justin Smith, get out here right now. Went out in the hallway. She's like, you have one chance to tell me the truth. I'm like, I didn't do it. They had saw me do something, but they didn't see me undo it. 
I go through about two hours of more conversations with the principal. The principal just keeps on talking to me, calls my mom. My mom gets on the phone. She says, Justin, take the punishment. I'm like, I am crying. I didn't do it. <laughs> mom, I didn't do it. Justin, it's going to be easier if you just take it. I know you don't want the, the paddlings, but you got to do it. I was like, what in the world? Why have you betrayed me? <laughs> I bring this story up often when I'm home for, with my family. My mom denies everything that ever happened. The principal proceeds to um, paddle me not once, not twice, but three times. Horrific. I remember leaning against the wall in position and looking back, and I actually see him move his leg into it like a professional golfer into his swing. I got a lot of spankings growing up from my father. I'm glad I did because I'd be way worse off than I am even today if I hadn't. Amen, somebody. All of you are like, that's, that's abuse. <laughs> Trust me, it was worth it. And um, I think he paddled me harder than my dad had ever paddled me. And it hurt. And I was done. And I went to stand up. He goes, you're not done yet. Here came number two. And here came number three. I went back to the classroom. All my guys that were, I was trying to impress laughed at me. The student who actually put the tack in the chair laughed the loudest. By the end of the day, I went home. And uh, I had, <laughs> it was a horrible day. Went to the dentist at the end of the day. My mom picks me up. I can't talk to her. I'm just like, betrayer. <laughs> Gets to the dentist's office. Uh, I end up getting like three or four fillings done. I get home. My mouth is numb. And Ben is sitting in my living room with his dad and my dad. My dad's 6'5", 280. Ben's dad was about 6'4", 480. Massive man. Massive man. Son, you got something to say? And he's like, uh, Mr. Smith, I just want to apologize because I lied about your son today and he got paddled. And I was like, yeah, you did. <laughs> Liar. Went into school the next day. Ben's assignment from his dad was to go directly to the principal to tell him what happened. He went in, the secretary noted that he needed to talk to the principal. Our first class period, he gets called out, goes down to the principal, comes back with a smile on his face. And I said, yo, I said, you get paddled? He goes, yeah. I said, how many? He goes, one. It's one thing to be punished for something you deserve. It's a totally another, a, a different thing when you take the punishment for someone else. I'll never forget that moment. Ben and I later became friends. I didn't hold it against him because I learned the matter of grace from my father. I learned the matter of grace from my parents. I learned the matter of grace that it's going to be a lot better if I just pray for him and love him than hold something against him. Students, if there's one thing that I want you to get out of today's message, it's this. Wounds are meant to remind you of your pain. Scars are meant 
to remind you of his promises. I want to talk about the pain that Jesus took in. Isaiah chapter 53 says this, Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? I've learned a lesson over the last several weeks that I'm going to actually need these to be able to read this to you. To whom, man, it's so much, that's incredible how much more clear that is. <laughs> to whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but a root in dry ground is not very strong. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with the deepest grief. He turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He has despised, he was despised, and we did not care. Yet, it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion and crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. King James Version says it like this. But he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. It's not just physical healing. It's emotional healing. It's a mental healing. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes... We are healed. Undeserving. There's nothing he did in his existence of 33 years on the earth that deserved punishment. He was blameless. He was sinless. There was no mistake about him. But yet for our peace... He took the punishment. Students, I want you to hear this right now. Some of you are wrestling so much with your peace. You're trying to provide your peace. You're trying to provide your future. You're trying to provide your calling. It's not for you to provide. It's already been provided for He already took care of it. That you would have peace right now. I have a tooth. Um, I'm currently on all kinds of medication. I have a tooth. The um, a root canal went bad. I woke up one night. I had had a dream. I don't dream often, but I had a dream that I was being tortured. And I woke up in such pain in my face that it was like, oh, that dream is, couldn't be any more real than right now. I'm on antibiotics, I'm on pain relievers, I'm on all these different things, and I can right now still feel the pain. He took the stripes for that. 
for my physical healing, for my emotional healing, for my mental healing. For some of you, you need to just stop wrestling and let him heal you. If you keep opening a wound, it'll never be healed. Some of us use our testimonies as a crutch more than we do for a clarification. We use our testimony to get people sympathy rather than to give God glory. Can you imagine being a child with your fingers that had just been torn apart by a saw, laying in a hospital? The doctor comes in. He's a hand specialist. He says, you know, we can put it back together, but he'll never use them. Listen, I had plans to be a professional baseball player. How am I supposed to catch for a 98-mile-an-hour fastball if I only have three fingers? I had plans. And I remember my dad holding me. As the whole thing unraveled, I was in there. We were working in the wood shop, and my dad um, is cutting the board. And I actually, I asked the Lord about three years ago. I said, Lord, would you give me, I've shared this testimony so many times. Would you give me clarity as to how it happened? And he took me back to the garage. And I was like, whoa. And I actually saw my hand as the blade was spinning as a, just a, a curious child. I actually moved my hand towards the saw as the blade was and in my mind. I was instantly reminded I was trying to slow the blade down on the saw. And it caught my hand and cut my fingers off. I was reminded of that. I was reminded of my dad picking me up in his arms. Big man. He had a big six-foot towel that he used because, you know, big guys take a lot of towel to dry off. And, uh, and, and he took the towel and he wrapped it around my hand and it actually bled through the entire towel. I was laying. My dad was a, a, a police officer. He was my pastor. Growing up, he was a police officer. Always worked two jobs. And uh, he called one of the police. He called the police department on his radio and said, "Hey, can you come pick me up? I just cut my finger, my, my son's fingers off." Cop cars there immediately. Get in the back of the car. We're rolling through town. I remember laying in my dad's lap, looking up at him and saying, "Am I gonna die?" He just starts bawling. No, you're not in Jesus' name. You're not gonna die. You'll be fine. Jesus' name. We get to the hospital. They send us to another hospital uh, about 45 miles away. It took us about 30 minutes to get there. They were going to take an ambulance. My dad said, no, I can get there faster. They actually called ahead on his radio, and they had, they had um, the, the, the departments from the smaller towns that we were going through they actually stopped at their stoplights and blocked traffic so we could just blow through their town. We got up there, got to the hospital. The doctor says, you'll never have use again, but we might be able to save them. It'll take about 45 minutes. We waited two days. People started praying all across the nation. We didn't have internet. We didn't have cell phones, but we had prayer chains where I call and you, I call you and you call two people and they call two people. And before you know it, my parents are getting messages back from South Dakota and California and people across the nation are praying that your son would be healed. It's amazing to see my father's faith was built during that time. By the way, just a few days ago, a family friend of ours, uh, their son, 
uh, was attacked by a dog and ripped his uh, cheek off. They're not sure they'll be able to do anything about it. He may never even talk again. And you know what? I, I called my dad. I said, what are you doing tomorrow? And he said, we're going to have a prayer time, son. We've called all these people. There are people driving from an hour away to come and pray at my dad's church for the healing of that young man. You know why? Because he saw God heal another young man almost 40 years ago. You don't give up on God. So the story goes, I was getting, uh, had the surgery. Four hours later, the doctor comes out. Tells my dad to sit down. He says, no, I'm good. I'll stand. He said, no, you'll need to sit down. He said, we've sewn your son's fingers together. They're going to be stiff. He'll actually not even be able to use them. We had to attach the tendons so tightly. They'll never, and the ligaments will never release. So we just ask that um, you be patient. We'll be doing rehab on his hand for seven months. So... Five weeks later, I was in the living room at my house, and uh, I was playing with the ball on the ground. It went up underneath our piano, a uh, little upright piano, and I reached in, and I went to get, get the ball like every you know, young child does with his imagination. I was like, and I, it was like a crane, and I hit my fingers on the piano, and it hurt. I'm not supposed to hurt. I'm not supposed to have pain. I'm not supposed to have feeling. And I said, ow! My dad, who had just worked the third shift at the police department, was asleep in his chair, and he, and he said, what'd you say? And I thought I was in trouble again. I'm like, please don't do it again. <laughs> please. <laughs> he took a ballpoint pen, and he began to poke on my fingers, and I could feel him. He immediately takes me back to the doctor. He comes in, he looks at it, takes both hands, does a test. I actually got more of the, the, the pricking done uh, correct on my injured hand than I did my healthy hand. He cut the cast off and he says, honestly, we never need to see him again. My hand was completely healed. The stitches, all gone. And I remember my dad getting in the van with us, me, my mom, my dad, and he grabbed my hand. He said, Bud, I want to pray for you. <laughs> I can hardly ever get through this. He grabbed my hand and he began to pray. And he said, God, thank you for healing my son. But don't ever take his scars away. Because I wanted to be reminded of what you've done for him. I've got one little spot that's a little sensitive still. And it seems like when I'm going through my hard time, I'll bump it on something. And I'll be reminded, I'm with you always, even until the end of the earth. I'll never leave you, nor will I forsake you. I'll sit closer to you than a brother. I am the father to the fatherless because that's the God we serve. The one who took care of my needs as a child and the one who takes care of my needs as a man. Not one time has he ever left me begging for bread. 
Not one time has he ever saw me in despair and he's left me alone. He's as close as the calling of his name. Justin, how do you learn those things? How do you know that? You must have been raised in a great home, and I was, but it had to be my decision, student, and it has to be your decision, student, to follow after him with your full heart and to learn about him. You can only learn so much from an on-screen sermon. You'll, you'll never, li li listen, future preacher, you'll find more sermons than this than you ever will online. You'll learn more from this when you're not trying to learn. If the only reason you read your scriptures is to get another sermon, that's all you'll get. And there's way more to it. Verse 10. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and to cause him grief. Why would he do that? For you. For you. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life. And the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, <laughs> he will be satisfied. Can I tell you how that broke me as I was praying this morning? In the midst of all of his anguish and his pain, he could have said, Come take me from the cross. He could have commanded, the scripture tells us, that 10,000 angels, a whole legion of angels, could have taken him off the cross. But he wouldn't be satisfied until he saw that his anguish took care of your pain. Man. Students, let's not get through the weekend without remembering what he's really done. By his stripes, you're healed. Take it on. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. For he will bear all. Somebody say all. all. No, come on, say it. All. all. Their sins. I will give them the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels, and he bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. All. If you're sitting in this room right now, I want you to do something. I want you to raise your hand. Come on. If you're sitting in this room right now, I want you to raise your hand. Say this after me. I am all. Quit lying to yourself. Keep them up. Quit deceiving yourself and telling yourself that it's only for someone else. 
Oh, that talent and that gift, I'll never have them. It's for someone else. Oh, the forgiveness of their sins, they're not as bad as mine. So I probably can't be forgiven. All. He died for all. He took the stripes for all. But I, I, you don't know, Justin. You don't know what I did. You didn't know what I did. For all. Not just for me and not just the person next to you. All. You can put them down. I'm going to read one more thing. Worship team, come on up. I could not piece together earlier why God kept telling me to put this passage in my notes. Let me just tell you something about being obedient to the Lord when you're prepping your sermon. Write it down if he tells you to. And it just clicked with me. Why? Because some of you are so doubtful of God. John chapter 20, one of the 12 disciples, verse 24, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. This is after his resurrection. And they told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. And put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later. (laughs) It's a long time. Everyone's seen Jesus. Everyone's seen the miracle. Everyone's seen the promise fulfilled. But eight days later, you know what? Sometimes you got to wait. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. <laughs> Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side and don't be faithless any longer. It had been eight days since anybody had seen Jesus. Nobody filtered it back to him. Hey, Jesus, here's what you need to say to Thomas when you see him because he's kind of doubting. He said if he could put his fingers in your wounds, in your, his, his hand in your side, it's kind of weird, I know. But he said if he could do that, then he'd believe. You know what, students? God knows what you need in order to believe. But why does he have to prove anything to you? Well, that's rude, Justin. Isn't that the thing that everything has to be proven? Verse 28, my Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him this. You ready? You believe because you have seen me. But blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Let me ask you a question. Maybe it's a statement. 
if Jesus were to never do anything else for you, would it be enough? We just read what he took on. I didn't get into the graphic part of it. I didn't go into the gospel message of it. That's the Old Testament. That's the prophecy which stood true through the, through the gospels. He bore the pain. He took the stripes. He was beaten, and the scripture says this, to a point where he was unrecognizable. Do you know what it takes to be beaten on your back that no one can recognize your face? It takes a lot of misses on your back. Do you think they were precise in his back? No, they shredded him. They hit his back. They hit his face. They took a crown of thorns and shoved it into his skull. Do you think that's enough for you? Or do you need to have him keep proving himself? Well, if you'll give me this, then I'll believe. If you'll heal that person, then I'll believe. Don't doubt him. What he's done for you is already enough. What he's done for you is already enough. He's provided salvation for you. He's provided hope for you. He's, he's done it all. Just a few moments ago, you raised your hand, and guess what? You said, oh, well, you tricked me. You made me do it, and you're my leader. And if I don't listen to my leader, then I get a conversation later saying, you didn't help out. You didn't. Are you still all? Let me ask you a quick question. Lynn, if you go ahead and take this for me. I want to pray over you. And we're going to dismiss you. I, I honestly want there to be a little bit of a sense of a heaviness over the weekend. Tomorrow, please don't miss the Good Friday service. It's one of the most beautiful services we have all year long. So thankful that we get to join together again in his house. Amen. Every year when I take the, the bread and the cup during this time, I remember that his body was broken for me and that his blood was shed for me. Is that enough? If you never get one accolade, if you never get recognized one time, if you never make it to a social media million follower status, matter of fact, if no one follows you on social media, is he still enough? At this point, let me just help you with this one thing. It's not about what you get. It's about what you've already got. I hope that everyone in this room has a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what's enough. I have to ask myself often. I had to ask myself last year. I really struggled through COVID. Got to the summer camps and several summer camps were happening. I was supposed to be speaking at those camps and and, and, and I remember wrestling when it came to the end of July with what my calling was. I remember praying. 
I was in my, my son's bedroom. I'd kind of made that my makeshift office over the year. And, and I had a chair set up in there. We were in the offices already, and I came back home one night. And I just sat in that chair. I remember going, God, why did I get to preach this summer? Why didn't I get to do camps? Why didn't I get to do the conferences? Why didn't I get to go to the conventions? Why didn't I get to do this, that, and one thing and the next? Why? And he said, Justin, I took a lot of idols from a lot of people in this last year. And your ministry became your idol. And I just want to be enough. Is he enough for you today? He's all I need. If I never get to preach in this pulpit ever again, he's enough. As long as I get to serve him and serve his people. If I get to follow one, lead many, and serve all, that's enough. Here's how I want to pray, very specifically. Number one, do you need healing? Physical, emotional, spiritual, mental. Do you need healing today? Because I believe that he wants to heal you and he can heal you instantly. For some of you, you may have to wait eight days. For some of you, you may have to wait 80 days, but the whole time you're waiting, remember he's still enough. Second thing I want to pray for is this. Some of you are wrestling. Just a, a the vision I have is, is not just a wrestling match. It's a, it's a battle. It's, um, how do I describe this to you? It's the, you're being tormented. With your insecurity. I'm never going to be good enough. I wasn't good enough for my parents. I wasn't good enough for my pastors back home. I'm not good enough for the, the people here. Listen, stop believing that lie. He's enough. And if the one who deserved no punishment or pain took it all for you, then you're good enough. So, you're saying, Justin, I fit one of those categories. I know that's generalization and but I'm going to pray quickly. And then I'm going to pray over the college. I'm going to pray over the church because it's Easter week and crazy things happen. We're going to pray that there'll be no distractions. We're going to pray that nothing major other than the major things for God's glory. So if you can say yes to any of the things I mentioned, the healing or you're battling the insecurity, I just want you to stand right where you are. Come on, with your hands just lifted to the Lord, my hands included, I'm praying for God's physical healing. Thanks, Jesus. Thanks, Jesus. Thanks, Jesus. I'm going to ask you to just raise both hands to the Lord. 
because we talked about it earlier, it's hard to fight that battle when you're holding on to things. So Heavenly Father, I just ask right now for all these students, for the leaders who have stood, for myself, would you let your healing virtue flow through this room? God, I pray specifically for myself right now. I, I know that sounds selfish, Lord, but I pray that you not only fix this root canal, I pray that you would just heal it completely. Make it whole again. Lord, I confess to you, I proclaim right now to this room, I believe in your healing touch. When you healed me as a child, I never forgot it. I've seen you open blind eyes. Father, I've seen you heal cancer. And I just pray right now that you would do the healing that needs to be done physically in each and every person's body that's standing right now. And God, I pray for that emotional pain. Father, that abuse that happened to them, I pray, God, that you would restore it with beauty, that you would take those ashes and restore it to beauty. Father, I pray right now, so humbly before you, touch their minds, the mental challenges they have, the, the wrestling match of their mind. I pray, God, that you would heal them in Jesus' name. Let it come, Jesus. Let it come, Jesus. Lord, I pray right now for that spiritual battle that they're in. You are the overcome. You are the one who's overcome the world. You are the one who's come and given us opportunity to have relationship with you and to, to be one in, in community with you. We're no longer slaves that have to come through the back door. But we are your heirs who come boldly and confidently into your throne room. And Lord, we, we circle around your throne and we sit in your presence even right now and we feel the significance of this moment that it's changing lives and it's healing bodies, mind, soul, and spirit. Lord, these students declare to you by standing up, being witness to the account that they trust you and that you're enough. Heavenly Father, now I pray for that vision you gave me of the person who's being tormented with their insecurity. I pray, Father, that you would give them a confidence that only you can give to them. They've been waiting on it. They've been waiting on it from their mom and dad and never heard the words, I love you. They've been waiting on it from other people and their boyfriends or their girlfriends or relationships with friends, but they've never heard that they're loved. Father, you love them. You care for them. You created them. You have a plan for them. God, help them to fight against that spirit of comparison. Help them not to be jealous of one another, but to celebrate in their joy for one another. Father, even now, touch, heal, mend, restore. In Jesus' name.
In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The name above all names. The name above all names. He has more power. He has more strength. And right now, he's interceding for you to his Father. Can we all just stand right now? I want to do one thing. I want, to, I want us just to begin to celebrate the Lord. I want you right now to begin to lift your voice and say, Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for the miracle. Thank you, God, for touching me. Thank you, God, for healing me. Thank you, God, for providing for me. Thank you, God. Come on, students. That's beautiful. Keep on raising it up. Keep on giving him praise. Keep on giving him glory. Keep on magnifying his name. Keep telling that he's wonderful. Keep telling that you believe in him. We're going to celebrate in a song in just a moment. But right now, celebrate with your words. Celebrate with your praise. Lift it up as a shout of praise. This is a room that knows how to praise Him. So come on. Thank Him right now, believing in His promise. Thank Him right now, believing in the testimony. That's it. Come on. You can do better than that. You're doing a beautiful job, but you can do better than that. This is for the King of Kings. This is for the one, the King of glory. This is for the one that we believe that is going to do the yes and amen. This is the one that we believe this weekend is going to save souls. He's going to touch your father and he's going to touch your mother and he's going to bring them to a relationship. He's going to bring that one that you've been praying for for such a long time. He's going to do it. He's capable. Come on, one more time. Give him 30 seconds more of praise. Give him 30 seconds more of shouting to his name. Give him 30 more seconds to give him glory, to give him honor. Thank you, God. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Now apply what you have learned and go out and bless someone's face off.